Well, good morning and welcome to Q&A. We've got a battle of the water bottles going on this morning. Uh, we're so glad that you decided to join us. This is your opportunity to ask questions from the service this morning. So like we always say, the number's up on the screen and we really do want your questions. Yeah. So text them in. We'd love, Doug would love the opportunity to answer them for you. Um, so we do have some that have already come in. Good. So we can go ahead and get started. So if even one of these questions prompts something in your mind, please send it in. Um, so first one here. Uh, because the devil had to ask permission to go after Job, does he also have to ask permission to go after me? Hmm. Um, it, okay. Anytime you're interpreting, interpreting the scripture and you are in historical narrative, which is what would have been Job, uh, we have to understand that that is descriptive of what's going on. That's not necessarily prescriptive of what will always happen. Um, it would seem that uh, Jesus said to Peter that um, Satan has demanded to sift you. Demanded as in not I. Uh, well, I mean, we can. <laughs> I think people go, oh, see, Jesus, uh, Satan demanded. Well, my kids were demanding at times, but that didn't mean they always got their way. Do you right. demanding kids always get their way? No. <laughs> No. <laughs> no. In fact, when we're demanding, we're when it's demanding, it's less likely to succeed. Children, if you're listening, yes, you should learn is. that principle. Yes, <laughs> so, um, so we see it descriptively multiple times uh, in the scripture. So, uh, would that be true? First of all, uh, I, I think so, and I think that's fair enough to say I think so. Um, because of the pattern we see in Scripture. And second, I also want to acknowledge that um, there's one devil and only one devil. And millions of believers on the planet. So I'm not inclined to think that the devil himself is specifically after me. I don't think I'm probably uh, even remotely in his top 100 most wanted. Um, <laughs> So I do think, and I'm not diminishing the fact that by his forces of darkness, that there is war going on in my own life. But um, I just want to make sure we understand the limitation of the devil is, would be at a single place at a moment in time. He's not omnipotent and he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. Always that he's not like God in that regard. He's a created being. And so um, would he, if he had, if he wanted to come after me, would he have to get permission? It would seem so. Um, but I wouldn't think I would be a prime target. It's an interesting question. Yep, it is. Am I missing something there? I don't think so. In the so. question? Um, they are specifically asking about, it sounds like that conversation that the devil had with yeah. God over Job. Over Job. To yeah. be able to then go. And he, he asked, and then he asked um, to go after Job specifically. Mm -hmm. And in both cases, the Lord says yes, but he puts a parameter on him when it comes to Job that you can't kill him. He brought him pretty close to death. And um, Job's wife said, curse God and die. But Job understood. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. He understood. I really appreciated Piper's quote that um, 
Satan is God's lackey. In other words, he's, he's, he's his servant in the sense that he does not have independent authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, so following up with that, another question. In terms of the devil not being omnipresent, yeah. how then does he prey on all of us in so many mm. ways nearly all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I think uh, this is about speaking about the devil as the ringleader, the point person of all spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness. And so uh, what I'm acknowledging is that he is prowling around seeking whom he may devour through his forces of wickedness and dark, of uh, darkness and wickedness. Gotcha. So it's not necessarily him, but yes. his forces. Gotcha. Yes. Um. How do you know if the Lord's giving the fear or the devil is giving you huh. fear, huh. the fear? Yeah. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if it's fear of, if it's fear of speaking up, that's not from the Lord. That's never from the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's, if it's fear of being generous, that's not from the Lord. Right. I'm thinking of what are the real fears mm-hmm. in my yeah. life. If it's fear of if I forgive them, they're going to wrong me again. Those fears are not from the Lord. Mm-hmm. The only fear that would be from the Lord is the fear of the Lord himself. Every other fear that would seek to quench the spirit of God in my life. So maybe ask that. Would that quench the spirit of God in my life in terms of revealing the character of God or shutting down the work of God through me? It's never from the Lord. Now, that doesn't, what I was sharing from my own life is that those fears are real. And I asked the Lord to take him away. He obviously, he's the sovereign ruler of the universe. If he can put kings in place and remove kings from place, he can certainly remove fear from me. So just because it isn't from him doesn't mean he can't take it away. So I ask him to take it away and he may choose, well, he for years has chosen not to, but that doesn't mean it's from him. I I do think it Mm. means he's using it for good in my life. Perfect love cast out all fear. That's what the scripture says. So I remind myself that a lot. Why are, you, why are you afraid, Doug? Perfect. The Lord loves you perfectly. Why are you afraid? Well, I don't. It's irrational. I, it's not defensible, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be paralyzing. It's real mm-hmm. and it doesn't leave, but I, um, by God's grace, still step in. There's times when people mm-hmm. ask me to go somewhere else and to teach, and I think, oh, I just know how much sleep I'm going to lose over that, how much turmoil, how much I'm going to agonize about what to say, because I want to say what the Lord wants me to say, and then I'm going to agonize in preparation for it, and then I'm going to deal with my fears, and it'd be so easy to say no, Mm -hmm. Um, but I know what the Lord's called me to do, and so uh, if I can... If I have the capacity and the opportunity, I usually try to say yes in spite of the fear because it calls me to experience the sufficiency of the Lord. I think it's a good example um, because I, I've heard people, and I've thought this too, if, I'm, if I don't have a perfect piece about something, then it must not yeah. be where the Lord wants me to go, yeah. which is not 
mm-hmm. true. My, uh, I don't think he'll mind me saying this. Uh, my kids know that I always get to use them as examples. <laughs> uh, so without, well, there's just standing permission. <laughs> Disclaimer. Given, given or not. As my child. <laughs> yes. uh, like my son, Will. Uh, he's a youth pastor up in South Carolina. I think people who experience him would say he's a gifted teacher of God's Word. Mm-hmm. But he has wrestled a lot over the years, and especially at the beginning with this statement. I remember him saying to me, Dad, it seems like if I had the gift of teaching, then it would be easier for me. Mm-hmm. And we tend to think that if God is in it, then he'll make it easier. It was actually with his youth group years ago teaching that I just, something came out of my mouth that I hadn't planned, but I've said it a lot since then. That is that in looking at that whole thing of, well, God will make it easier, is that Jesus did not come to make the hard easy, but to make the impossible possible. And so we tend to think, uh, it'd be easier if, if the Lord really gave me a gift, it'd be easier. I think the Lord has given me a gift, and it's not easier. I think it's a good it's encouragement. Yeah. It is faith. Mm-hmm. It is faith. Um, another question here. Does Satan tempt, tempt and deceive those who aren't followers of Christ? Okay. Great question. Um, here would be, and for the sake of minutes this morning, and I still went five minutes over. <laughs> hey, but who's counting other than all the nursery workers? Um, Oh, why did I turn to Galatians 4? 2 Corinthians um, speaks to that question. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, In whose case the God of this world, which we identified in the message, is what the New Testament calls Satan. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel in the glory of Christ. So, his work um, in the unbeliever, which was the question, is we talked entirely about what his work is among the believer. His work among the unbeliever is to blind them to the gospel. Because, again, if he cannot reclaim them once he's lost them, his goal then is to not lose them. And he is going to try to not lose them by blinding them to the truth of the gospel. It says later on, again, uh, for God said, let light shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts. So his goal is to blind, but the Lord shows that he is greater again, even as he shines his light supernaturally into a heart that's attempted to be blinded to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I heard the gospel many times before I received the gospel. I don't know if that's sure. true for you, but lots of folks, you may have people in your life who you've shared the gospel, shared the gospel with, and it's like, you say things like, it just, it just falls on deaf ears, or they just don't seem to get it, or there's, mm-hmm. there's just no response there. That's being blind to the gospel. When God shines the light on, when God shines light like in creation, he spoke light into existence. They will see, and the enemy's attempt to blind will be defeated. So that's his goal, blind people to the gospel, blind people to the gospel, blind people to the gospel. Now, I think part of the blinding to the gospel can be the uh, intentional work of spiritual forces of darkness in your life and my life. When I uh, 
claim to be a follower of Jesus but don't live like a follower of Jesus, then an unbeliever is blinded to the gospel by my own behavior. They don't see the light of the glory of Christ in my life. And so I can participate. I'm not doing the blinding, but by the enemy deceiving me, tempting me, and me giving in, I am actually then being part of what's blinding people to see the gospel by my hypocrisy, by my own lack of love, my own lack of joy, my own lack of peace. When the fruit of the Spirit is shutting down in my life, then an unbelieving world looks at my life, looks at their life and go, no big difference. In fact, lots of unbelievers look at other people who profess Christ and they go, I'm a better person than they are. And and sometimes that's true in terms of Mm -hmm. moral behavior. I'm a better person than they are. And that that is the God of this world using the defeat that's happening in the believer's life to contribute to the blindness in the unbeliever's life. Hmm. That's just kind of sobering. It is sobering. Yeah. It absolutely is. And so what Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your heaven, your Father in heaven. So when we live out the life of Jesus, when Jesus is made manifest in our mortal flesh through the fruit of the Spirit by being instruments of God, then people see Christ in us. And in the same way that we can contribute to the blindness, we can contribute to the light being turned on, which is exciting. That's super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good so, transition from the sobering moment to like, oh, very yes. exciting. I can yes. be that light yes. for other people. Uh, I, I get to be a tool, an instrument. Which is super Either exciting. to contribute to, to blindness or mm-hmm. to be a part of bringing light. Mm, absolutely. Um, good stuff. You were going through the list of the lies that yes. you had believed. That was very challenging. Um, and, and let me be honest. Had believed and still do believe at times. I, I, didn't, I didn't just go, let me think of stuff that I thought when I was 12. That I only thought once. Yes, right. as if I don't believe lies anymore. Um, I wish I didn't, but I still do. Right. We struggle with those. Absolutely. Um, it reminded me of a Bible study I'd done years ago on the armor of God. And in the very hmm. beginning, it said it had a circle. And it's like, write what, you are, what your battle is against. Is it a person, a relationship, a situation? And then it said, that is not your battle. Right. What you, what I had written in that circle. And it was one of those right. mind flip moments of the reality of like, that's not my, ba-. although that seems to be what I'm yeah. up against. It's not that. And so it was very, it was so simple. Yeah. Practically was, speaking in marriage, sometimes you, you get with your spouse and you're like, you want different things and you mm-hmm. can feel like you're against one another. Yeah. And it was helpful for Jackie and I. I remember in our marriage when, when I finally realized I needed to speak. We're not against one another here. We disagree, but we're actually not. Ag- we want the same thing. We right. disagree on how to get there. <laughs> <laughs> but we want the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're on the same side. We do have someone who is against us. Right. See, that's dramatically different because, mm-hmm. uh, man, in marriage, it can feel like, no, you're against your spouse and you have to win. You have to defeat them or they're going to defeat you. No, there's one person that's devil and his forces who are against you in your marriage. Don't help him by being against one another. Be together in Christ against him. Big difference. Huge difference. And yeah, so that's what you're saying. That, that relationship, that's not the battle. That person, that's not the battle. Absolutely. No. And then it even changes your perspective on your, um, the way you engage or react yeah. with that 
relationship. Yeah, because if they're my enemy, I'm going to attack them. If you're my enemy, I'm going to attack you. But if you're not my enemy, we're actually one. Then Mm -hmm. we can be one together against the true enemy, which is the body of Christ standing together. And that we'll get to that later in Ephesians 6, that part of our standing strong is that we stand together Mm. against. Absolutely. Well, you kind of set us up for like the next couple weeks there, but anything you would want to add as we wrap up or that maybe didn't fit in this morning or looking forward? Oh, there's always stuff that didn't fit in. (laughs) Um, I spent some time on Thursday night, too many minutes, so I had to cut some stuff. If you want the unabridged version, you should come to our Thursday night service at 7, (laughs) so I always go long there. I should go shorter, but I go long. Um, The power of memorizing Scripture. Mm. When Jesus is, and you go, well, that's Jesus. No, Jesus had to learn to read. Jesus had to learn to write. Jesus had to learn to memorize the Scriptures. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to swing a hammer. So, Jesus memorized some scripture. When the devil tempted him in the wilderness, he was not like, where's that say in the scroll? You know, he was tempted and he spoke the scripture. So part of identifying the lies that defeat you are identifying the truth that is knowable, that will bring, cause the, the fog of deception to be removed so the temptation is not near what the temptation was. So uh, identify your lie, identify the scripture, and that would defeat that mm-hmm. deception and memorize it and learn to say it over and over and over and over and over again. Be armed with the truth in that regard. Uh, I didn't quote from 1 John 4.4, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the bottom line. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So our enemy is real. He has power. He is a, and I'm not cussing when I say this, he is a damned good liar. Scripture says he's damned. So I'm not saying he's a damn. I'm saying he's a damned good liar. And until we believe that, we're going to be casual with the truth, so don't be casual with the truth. Expose the deception, which will remove the temptation, which will give no platform for accusation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great encouragement for this week to get into the scriptures yes. and memorize it, really. Mm-hmm. It does Pick one. Sense. One. Yeah. Start simple. You don't have to do a whole book. <laughs> Just start simple. Just one will yes. do. And the ones that you referenced this morning are great places to start. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you have a really great week.